Coming up on this edition of A Daily Walk. I pray that you're not one of those people who has not allowed the Lord to come into your life and sit upon the throne of your heart. If you are, you are missing out on the good things, the great things that God has in store for you. Many of us today, if we were to stand before you and give a testimony uh, concerning our own lives, we would say there was a season when we were missing out on the day of visitation of our Lord. We didn't see it, we didn't know, but now we know. God doesn't want you to miss out on any of those things. Perhaps he weeps over your life today. Welcome to A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall coming away today as always from Calvary South OC. Today, we'll again open the Bible to Luke's Gospel as we near the crucifixion of Jesus. The scene we'll again look at is the ride Jesus took into Jerusalem about a week before his death. He rode on the back of a colt. Why? Because it was foretold in Scripture hundreds of years before. Here's Pastor John. There is an amazing 27% of the Bible, that's one out of every four verses, that contain specific predictive prophecy at the time in which they were written. Now, the skeptic may rise up and say, well, perhaps Jesus was the Messiah, but, but he accidentally or deliberately fulfilled these prophecies that we read of in Scripture. It is difficult to imagine any person deliberately setting out to fulfill prophecies that would result in a short life and an excruciating, drawn-out, painful death upon a cross. Furthermore, how does one man deliberately choose the lineage in which he is to be born into, or the time period in which he is to be born into, or the city in which he is born into, or the way in which he would die before it was ever created, it was predicted, or the number of pieces of silver that he would be betrayed for, and on and on and on it goes. It is no accident. It is divine. The Bible that you hold within your hands is indeed the word of God, not just containing the word of God. It is the word of God. A man by the name of Peter Stoner, he was a mathematician at Westmont College, wrote a book entitled Science Speaks in 1963, and he gave the mathematical probability of one man setting out to fulfill eight prophecies in his lifetime. Just eight. What would be the chances of that? He said it was one in 10 to the 17th power. Just eight prophecies being fulfilled. Jesus, in his lifetime, fulfilled over 300. You could do the math if you dare. This prophecy before us was written 500 years before Jesus ever went in to Jerusalem. But not only did Zechariah prophesy concerning Jesus riding in on a donkey, the colt specifically of a donkey, but also Daniel was given this prophetic word as well. In a prophecy entitled The 70 Weeks of Daniel, Daniel was told by the angel of the Lord that when the command was given to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, would arrive, there would be 483 years that would go by. In other words, whenever the command was given to rebuild and restore the walls of Jerusalem, you should be able to calculate 483 years 
or 173,880 days from that time and Messiah the Prince should arrive. When was that command given? The command was given in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah chapter 2. As Nehemiah was dwelling there in Shushan, the citadel, serving there as the nation had been in captivity in Babylon, he had a desire to go back and rebuild the walls that had been destroyed. And so the king gave the command and gave Nehemiah the permission, it says in Nehemiah chapter 2, to rebuild in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. In modern language, that would be March 28th, 445 BC. Historians have calculated that 483 years later, 173,880 days later, would be April 6, 32 AD, the time of Passover, that that was the very day that Jesus came riding in on a donkey in his triumphal entry, fulfilling to the very day the prophetic word spoken by Zechariah and given to Daniel. Jesus wasn't just taking a tour of Jerusalem, friend. He was fulfilling biblical prophecy. Preparation had been made for his arrival. Prophecy was being fulfilled in his arrival. But also, we discover that praise was being offered up upon his arrival. It says in verse 36, And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road, then... As he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In the midst of the celebration, there was great proclamation of praise. Matthew's gospel tells us that the people took up palm branches and they began to wave them back and forth. Mark's gospel tells us that the people were declaring, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Jesus was riding down the Mount of Olives, about to make his way up to Jerusalem, the people were singing the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 118. And they were attributing that Psalm to Jesus. They were recognizing him and declaring him to be the Messiah. They were saying, Hosanna. The word Hosanna means save now. Of course, the people were not asking Jesus to save them from their sins, but rather they were asking him to save them from Roman occupation and oppression. They did not understand the Messiah's first coming. But as they're singing and as they're declaring this, Matthew tells us the celebration was so intense, he uses the word that it was seismic. It was like an earthquake because of the intensity of the arrival of the king. While Jesus was making his way into the city, there were some who were not as accepting. In fact, they were rejecting his arrival. For in verse 39, we read, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and he said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The Pharisees hearing the people attributing 
a messianic psalm unto Jesus. They cry out and they say, tell these people to be quiet. Do you hear what they're saying? They're calling you the Messiah. Tell them to be quiet. Get off the donkey and get back up the Mount of Olives. Stop this. You're you're letting them call you the Messiah. They thought it was blasphemous that he would do such a thing. And they demanded that the people be silenced. But Jesus responded. And he said, if I tell these people to be quiet, he said the very rocks themselves would cry out. Can you imagine what that would be like? If Jesus for a moment unleashed creation to be able to sing his praises. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul tells us, he said concerning creation, that it was delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. It waits for it. Creation, when man fell in the garden, not only was man affected, but get this, all of creation was affected. Creation, as beautiful, as wonderful, and glorious as it is right now, was nothing compared to what it was before the fall of man. And as man groans to be clothed with a habitation made for heaven, so also creation, Paul said, groans and labors with birth pains until now that it can also be clothed with that same glorious habitation. If a tree could speak, it would say, you should have seen me back in the day. You should have seen me if a mountain could cry out. You think this is amazing. You should have saw me before Adam blew it in the garden, is what they would say. You know, in the Old Testament, there are references to creation worshiping God in the kingdom age. In Psalm 96, it says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, and let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming, and he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. In Isaiah chapter 55, another prophetic word, it says, you will go out in joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Can you imagine what that would be like when the hills are alive with the sound of music (laughs) and the trees begin to clap their hands. Who knew that trees could clap? But in the kingdom age, all of creation will be unleashed, glorifying and praising God, the Bible seems to indicate. As Jesus enters into the city, not only is there praise being offered up, but I also want you to see that there was pain within his heart. Notice what it says in verse 41. As he drew near... He saw the city and he wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you. They will close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
as Jesus makes his descent down the Mount of Olives and makes his way closer going up to Jerusalem, he observes the city and it says here he began to weep. Think of that. Jesus weeping over the city. And what was it that caused our Lord to weep? First of all, the present condition of the people. Jesus knew that they did not understand his first coming. John's gospel tells us that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. When he came to them, they did not recognize him. They did not know the day of their visitation. At the beginning of the week, they would be saying, Hosanna, save now. At the end of the week, they'd be saying, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And for that, Jesus began to weep. But not only of the present condition of the people and the city, but also the future condition of the city and what would take place only 40 years after Jesus spoke these words. 40 years from the moment that Jesus uttered this prophetic word, we know history tells us that Titus Vespasian went into the city of Jerusalem and he began to destroy it. In fact, the temple caught fire. And as the temple caught fire, the gold that encased the temple began to melt and it began to formulate and harden in between the cracks of the stones. And the soldiers, so greedy for the gold that had been cemented there, began to pull down every stone and not one stone was left upon another, just like Jesus had said. Furthermore, history in his book, The War of the Jews, Josephus tells us very clearly in alignment with what Jesus had said that Titus told the soldiers to actually dig up the city and the whole compass of it was leveled except for three towers. In other words, what Jesus said came to pass. And because Jesus knew the present condition of the people and he knew the future condition of the city, he wept over them. They missed the day of their visitation. Jesus said at one time in John's gospel, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life, but they are those which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me. Oh, the nation of Israel had the very word of God handed to them. The priests and the scribes and so forth, they wore the word of God on their forehead and around their wrist and on the doorpost of their homes. But they missed the visitation of their Messiah. They missed what God wanted to do when they hardened their hearts in rebellion toward him and Jesus wept over them. I wonder how many people today that the Lord weeps over as he comes into their life and he makes his way and they choose to reject him. And the sad thing is they miss out on what God wanted to do or could do because of the hardness of their heart. I pray that that's not you this morning. I pray that you're not one of those people who has not allowed the Lord to come into your life and sit upon the throne of your heart. If you are, you are missing out on the good things, the great things 
that God has in store for you. Many of us today, if we were to stand before you and give a testimony uh, concerning our own lives, we would say there was a season when we were missing out on the day of visitation of our Lord. We didn't see it, we didn't know, but now we know. God doesn't want you to miss out on any of those things. Perhaps he weeps over your life today. I don't want the Lord to weep over me in sorrow because of the hardness of my heart. I want the Lord to shed tears of joy because I'm walking in obedience to his plan and to his purpose for my life. Jesus weeps over the city as he makes his way there. But the next thing we find is probably even more startling to the people. For in verse 45, then he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. At the beginning of his ministry in John chapter two, we know that Jesus went into the temple and began to cleanse it from all that was taking place in it. Now three years has passed. Jesus is at the end of his ministry and the end of his life. And for a second time, he makes his way into the temple, into the court of the Gentiles. And this court of the Gentiles was this walled marble paved area that was next to the south side of the temple. And it was enormous in its length. It was, would be the equivalent of three football fields long and 250 yards wide. It was enormous. And normally this was a place where the Gentiles could come and worship and seek the Lord. But now this place had been turned into, if you could picture in your mind, a swap meet, a circus environment. And people were coming and there was all this traffic inside of a place that was supposed to be holy and set apart for the purposes of God. And when Jesus came in and he observed the chaos there, he was greatly troubled. And the thing that greatly troubled Jesus is that the people that needed ministry were not able to be ministered to. The people who were coming to worship the Lord were being taken advantage of. What would happen as the pilgrims would come for the Passover, they would bring their lamb and they would have to have it inspected by the priests. And the priests would observe their lamb that was to be offered and they would find some defect, some problem with it. And they'd say, you cannot offer that here. However, we have lambs over here that have already been pre-approved, and you can use one of those lambs. And so you would go over to purchase one of these lambs, and you would pull out your money to give it to them, and they would say, oh, we can't receive that kind of coinage here. That is not blessed. That's not anointed. We can't, we can't take that. That's polluted. So what you need to do is go over to the money changers, and you can exchange that money for money that is acceptable, and they would charge an an enormous amount of an exchange rate, and they would take that money for themselves. The people were being ripped off. And when Jesus saw this in a place that was holy, he came unglued in a godly way. And that is he began to overturn all the tables, and he began to drive out these money changers. Meek and mild Jesus got serious, and he just began to turn everything over and drive out these things that the people had brought back in that had been removed only a few years earlier. And he began to clean house. And he said, this place is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it something that it was never intended to be. You've made it a den of thieves and it's time to clean house. And that's exactly what Jesus did. The Bible tells us that after Jesus had cleansed the temple area, that all of the blind 
and the lame were able to come and receive a touch from Jesus. Formerly, they were held out. They weren't able to come in. But now that things had been cleansed and set in order, now ministry could happen once again. Furthermore, Jesus was teaching and people were receiving from him. Also, it says that Jesus did not allow anyone to have any traffic coming through that area at that point which I think is significant because the book of Leviticus as well as Numbers tells us that in the sacrificial system, there were many things that you had to go through, much traffic that would take place. And Jesus on this Passover stopped it all. And I think the reason why is because he would be the lamb that would take away the sins of the world. No more need for a sacrificial system any longer. Jesus would offer up himself, the Bible says, for the sins of the world, and the sacrificial system would end. What an amazing Passover this must have been, full of significance and prophetic utterances being fulfilled. But as we conclude today, I think there is an application here in this story for us, and that is this. There is no physical temple today, is there? There's no physical temple that holds the presence of God or where the glory of God dwells as it once did there in Jerusalem. No, the Bible tells us that we are the temple of God. Isn't that interesting to consider? We are the temple. We're the place. Somehow, when we are born again, the Spirit of God takes up residency within this temple. Paul tells us that in Corinthians. You are the temple of the living God. But I want to ask you something. Have you set up any tables in the temple that ought not to be there? Things that are hindering ministry in your life, ministry through your life. Maybe a couple years ago, you got rid of it, you did away with it, but now you've brought it back in and there it is set up in the temple where the Lord desires to dwell. And this morning, by the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus wants to make his way into your heart in a triumphal entry And as he makes his way into your heart, into your life, he wants to turn these things over and he wants to drive these things out. But I'll tell you a good place to start, make a commitment to Jesus and say, Lord, have your way in this life. If there's anything that I've set up that needs to be driven out, do it today, God. I don't want to put it off. I don't want to hold back. Turn it over. Take it out, Lord, so that you can use my life for the purposes that you have intended for it to be used. More of Jesus this year, less of us. May Jesus increase and may we decrease. Who knows? We may be in heaven this time next year. It's very possible. And I pray that we would be prepared and we'd be ready. Ask yourself this question. Is Jesus the king of your life? Does he sit upon the throne of your heart or are you the king of your life? Have you taken out your outer garment, as it were, of your plans and your thing, whatever that is, and said, Lord, have your way in me? I encourage you to do that in Jesus' name. 
Well, Pastor John Randall is leading us through the Bible right now on a daily walk. And I'd imagine some of you would like to hear this message from Luke again. Maybe you joined us late. Go online to adailywalk.org and have a listen when it's most convenient. Or request a CD copy for a cost of just $5. You can reach us toll free at 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828. Another way to listen to Pastor John's teachings is through our mobile app. It's free and even available on Apple TV. Do a search for Calvary South OC. And we have a podcast, too, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we're super excited about this month's offer. It's a book from our friend in the ministry, Barry Stagner, titled The Time of the Signs. In it, Barry explores the events that will precede Christ's return. And he answers common questions like, why is the rebirth of Israel the most significant sign that the end times are near? Where does the rapture fit in the chronology of all that will occur in the last days? We're making it available to our A Daily Walk listeners for the cost of $12. Again, you can order online at adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. And by the way, anything given above that amount will be put to good use and help people all over the world grow in their daily walk as they listen to these daily studies. In some cases, actually enter into a relationship with Christ. Again, you can donate online safely and securely at adailywalk.org. You know, we often say it around here at A Daily Walk because it's true. We want to hear from you. It lets us know where the ministry is having an impact. And also, we love praying for our listeners. Write to Pastor John by email today at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk.com at gmail.com. Well, our time together sure goes by quickly, doesn't it? We'll pick up where we left off in our Through the Bible study next time. This has been A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall, where you'll never have to walk alone. This program is made possible through your generosity and brought to you by Calvary South O'Seed.